0: Cheap Talk 54. The latest, side two. BJ, every day you make me crazy.
1: (laughs) It's time for some Cheap Talk. You're listening to Trick Chat. Hello, hello, this is Robin Zander from Cheap Trick, and you're listening to Cheap Talk.
0: Welcome back to your Cheap Trick podcast, Cheap Talk, where we talk all things Cheap Trick. I'm Ken Mills. And as always, I'm joined by the always-smiling Brian Cramp. Hello there, ladies and gentlemen. Later in the show, we will do side two of the latest with Pat Francis from the Rock Solid podcast. But first, I think we need to talk a little bit about the hell we unleashed on the internet. (laughs) We put up... Episode 53 of Cheap Talk, which was about side one of the latest, and it was one of our most controversial episodes yet, wouldn't you say, BJ? Yeah,
2: it seems that way, but I don't really understand why. I'm pretty sure I said the words, I like this, about pretty much every song, but then I have issues with some of the songs, but I heard, like, uh,
0: certain people were saying that we were hating on the album and things like that. I don't think there was anything like that going on. Right. I mean, if we're haters, we really picked the wrong podcast to make about Cheap Trick, right? (laughs) Because we love this band. I mean, you and I are marks for Cheap Trick. I mean, pretty much they get a free pass on just about everything. But every band has those one or two albums like it's weird that you know there's like the kiss and cheap trick parallel there's that way with with every band has these kinds of albums but like you take a look at kiss and cheap trick you had like their first three albums kind of didn't really score big then they both did in a live album and then boom their careers took off right and then later in their careers we wind up with an album, for example, like The Elder, right? When people think about Kiss's music from The Elder and they were to compare it to a Cheap Trick album, it's almost always going to be The Doctor, right? Yeah. So this album, to me, is almost like Hot in the Shade, which was a Kiss (laughs) album that was a lot of demos and songs that they had laying around. How many songs were on that album? What, 15 or something like that?
2: Yeah, 15. 15.
0: And if you take a few of those songs off, the album becomes a little bit better for it. And I think that that's kind of almost where we're at here.
2: Yeah, and I think the latest for me, uh, it was it was always going to be a struggle for this album because it was following up Rockford, which I just loved and I thought was amazing. And so it was really it was going to be really difficult for the latest not to be disappointing coming on the heels of that record. And mm-hmm. so I was disappointed by it. Because Rockford was so great, but I always liked the latest and I always liked a lot of the songs on it. I never had a negative. I never had negative feelings about the album. I just thought that, you know, as we said on the other episode, it's kind of a hodgepodge. And there's it's funny to see people talk about how it flows as an album, because I feel the opposite. It doesn't Mm. even it doesn't even feel like an album. It's just more a collection of random songs.
0: Well, there was a lot of uh, tremendous reactions out there, from some people calling us haters to some people agreeing with us, and even my own, you know, this this hurt my heart, even my own beloved physician, Dr. Fuck, uh, <laughs> yeah. he, he's thinking about doing an episode of Cheap Trick Tube on YouTube in which he gives a rebuttal, possibly, so it'll be interesting to see what happens. Cheap Trick Tube on YouTube, so.
2: Well, you know... People were jumping to conclusions without hearing the second half of the episode, because Mm -hmm. I know, you know, I know what's coming up on this episode in terms of what I have to say. And so some people were jumping to conclusions about thinking that we didn't like the whole album when they had only heard half of it. So,
0: well, some people have those jumping to conclusion mats. So, (laughs) yeah, well. We threw it out there, and a lot of people are passionate, and we said, hey, if you want to send us a clip and be on this show, send us a clip. Well, Jason Thomas Broderick of JTB's Groovy Records, who's, he's coming to see us out there at the Nashville Rock and Pod. Here he is with his comments about our comments about Cheap Tricks, the latest. Here we go.
3: Here we go.
4: Hello, Jason Thomas Broderick here, a long-time listener, first-time caller. Yeah, I don't know what y'all are thinking out there, what you're smoking. I don't want none of it. I'm really surprised at the hate for this album. You know, well, I'm surprised at Ken, the other two, not so much. But uh, well, my history with it first is when it come out, I didn't like it either, honestly. And I hadn't heard any of the demos or the Robin Zander songs or none of that. I wasn't that deep into it then. So good, thank God, because you know, if I'd heard them all, I might not have liked it that much. But anyway, I didn't like it at first. Seeing it on vinyl at the store for $17, I was like, mm, I'm just going to pass. Well, here we are years later, and I'm kicking myself. You know, it's a $100 record. Somewhere along the line it clicked, I had the CD. To me, it just flows together perfect. Every song's in the right order. There's not really a dud on here, which I can't say that for Rockford or even 97. There's some duds. This is the most consistent Cheap Trick album of the later period, for sure. Let me start with uh, Sleep Forever. Yeah, that's kind of a turn-off starting the album, but like I've mentioned before, where else would it be? Would it work at the end or the middle? No. So it's kind of like an intro. I don't even think of it as a song. And uh, I've lost people in my life, and that, that song means something. It's, it's a, you know, good funeral song. So you go from that into, it's like, whoa, what's this? You know, somber, and then it goes into when the lights are out which it makes that much more poppy and rocking and heavy it's like oh wow that's you know that's cheap trick yeah it's a slate song but how many people has heard the original not many next miss tomorrow same thing nobody's heard that robin zander cut a handful of people listen to the show come on people and the wow, wow 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 that crap i don't like that either for the record but besides that, it's a great song got a great cheap trick hook it's got the dream lease strings in the chorus. you know it's great then you go to sick man of Europe I hadn't heard Tom Pearson play bass like this since since he played for the who when his name was John Etwistle okay I mean this this track his bass playing alone is worth a price of admission for the whole album just for this one track sick man of Europe rocks these days I love it because it's good and short. It don't do what you think it's going to do. It's one, It's a great, great ballad, one of their best ballads. And the reason being, it doesn't have a million changes and goes to a solo and all that crap. It, it hits you and it's gone. That's what it's there for, These those little in-between songs that make this album flow. Then you got the Miracle. Yeah, it's a John Lennon thing. Whatever. Great tune anyway. Then you got every day you make me crazy, which I didn't learn about the Pepsi commercial till years later. Same situation as these days. Great little one minute, seventeen second song. It just flows, just flows. I've heard people go, "Oh, they didn't finish them." No, they are finished. They're not supposed to be long songs. They're supposed to be short little fucking songs. All right. I get so sick of that. They they put out the versions they wanted us to hear, not the demo versions, you know. So this is new to most people. All this was. You know, Van Halen did the same thing. they take a song from 77 put it on 84, you know? All right. Then we got California Girl, which is, uh, to me, a generic kind of cheap trick kind of song. But on this album, it fits. It serves its purpose. It's a good rocker, you know? Good song. Nothing wrong with it. Now, we get to Everybody Knows, which I love. This is like a tour de force. This is like the Japanese version of Special One. It just keeps going and going and building and building. I love it. Love it, love it, love it. You know, good somber just laid back piano, great. Then you got Alive. Alive is a killer cheap trick song and it fits perfect on this album again. Then Times of Our Lives, another really good ballad. I, I There's no duds here, people. I don't know what the problem was. I don't know what what you I don't get it. I just don't fucking get it. Times of Our Life is one of the Oh, it's great. And then we go to my personal favorite, closer, to the Ballad of Burton Linda. Subject matter alone, it's classic cheap trick. You know, Richard Speck. It's a creep factor. They always gotta have a creep factor song, and that song's got the creep factor. In fact, there's a movie, a documentary about Burton Linda, the real people. I suggest watching it. And it it, it gets it's creepy. It's it, but it doesn't. That makes the song better to me. It doesn't change my pit. I love that song. That song's like a like a carousel, Beatles-ish, kind of, LSD, kind of. It's just, oh, it's great. There's uh, uh, My favorite one on the whole album is Closer, for sure. And then we get to Smile. Eh, whatever. It's all right to close. I like it better than Shelter off 97. I hate that fucking song. Smile's okay. It fits. It's not bad. It don't get many spins for me. But it's at the end of the album, it works. So, yeah, there you go. I hope other people stand up for this album. I I mean, once it, it hit me, it took me a while, but once it hit me, I'm like, this is probably the best album of the later period. and I, It's way better than the last two, and this is the last one with Bunny Carlos, and you can sure tell it. Bunny's Bunny. Come on, people. This is Jason Thomas Broderick from JTB's Groovy Record Room. I will see you all at the Rocket Pod. Thanks, Ken, for letting me do this. And uh everybody, just please listen to this album with a fresh set of ears and don't think about all the demos you've heard or the crap you've heard about it. Just listen to it as an album. It flows. It, it flows so it, ah, it, it's almost like a concept album without the concept, is what it sounds like to me, if that makes sense. Yeah, JTB signing out. Thanks.
1: peterson
0: on the 12 string bass so there you go we look forward to seeing you jtb at nashville's rock and pod it's gonna be fantastic so bj let's bring pat francis into this welcome to the show again pat francis from the rock solid podcast
3: welcome back pat i am excited to be back to talk about uh, this
0: cheap trick album mm-hmm And here we are, flipping over the album, here we are on side two of The Latest. And as it's broken down on the vinyl album of The Latest, those tracks will be Every Day You Make Me Crazy, California Girl, Everybody Knows, Alive, Times of Our Lives, Closer, The Ballad of Bert and Linda, and Smile, rounding out the album. At this point, it's no longer the latest, is it? It's uh <laughs> it's a f- it's a few years old at this point. Came out in 2009. So are you ready for this Pat Francis?
3: I just want to say that uh this album came out 30 years after Dream Police and at this point I want to say that the house is definitely not rocking.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's it's not yeah. rocking. No. Funny Carlos said in an interview entitled In Color and Black and White with Gus Bernaducci, which was published in May 28, 2012, he said, No one had newer songs, so every album we do, we get the tapes out, and we find out what we've got, if we have enough to record a record. For the latest, Julie would go, I like these, and stuff like that. We made that record the same way we make every record, but there weren't very many brand new songs laid out on the table for the record, though. Basically, just parts. There you go.
2: Yeah, I think you get four or five songs on this album that are mostly Robin Zander songs.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: I think really Rockford is the last Cheap Trick album where it's like Rick Nielsen was most of the brains behind it. Mm-hmm. And I think starting with the latest and then especially with the more recent records, you get a lot more band collaboration on the songs. Whereas, you know, the Cheap Trick we were always used to before that was you're talking at least 80, 90% probably of the songwriting is Rick Nielsen, you know? Mm -hmm.
0: Rick Nielsen also said about the latest that we actually opened up the vaults. We cleared away the cobwebs and dug out some old demos. We found some gems that were just waiting to be recorded. The track Sick Man of Europe we wrote over 30 years ago, and I think it sounds totally current. In fact, it sounds too current. We may have to take it off the record and put it out in 30 more years, which we very well could do. Rick also says, basically, I try to let the song dictate what guitar I use. If it's a really loud, crazy song, I'll pull out the cheapest, oldest, nastiest guitar I own, one that feeds back easily. But most of the time, I'll just use whatever is around. So that's pretty cool. About the songwriting, Rick says, well, we're credited with all of the writing, but usually the guy whose name is first on the credits came up with the original idea or the majority of it. Everything's like a band effort these days. If we're doing a Cheap Trick record, then Cheap Trick guys are on it. If we have a cover song or somebody else has something that we like, we'll do it. The fact that we make up our own parts, this and that, we never really used or relied heavily on outside writers. I would have to say that's one of the things I love about Cheap Trick. Yeah. Track 7, Every Day You Make Me Crazy. 1 minutes and 17 seconds... Cramp.
2: Well, I loved this as a Pepsi commercial. Um when I had it on bootlegs since the nineties. I'm always enjoyed it, thought it was great that Cheap Trick wrote this great Cheap Trick song for a Pepsi commercial. But very strange choice to reimagine it as an album track, but keep it the same length as a commercial (laughs) and not flesh it out really. Barely change it at all from the uh the commercial jingle and Doesn't make any sense to put this on the record at all. It was really fun as a Pepsi commercial though. Mm-hmm. Loved it.
0: I know that uh, out of all the songs that Cheap Trick has done soft drink commercials for, this is the one that really I I enjoy. <laughs> to save us. Oh, man, I
3: I love the Pepsi commercial too. I hate this song. I hate this everyday you make me crazy. The song makes yeah. me crazy. They they didn't do they barely changed the lyrics at all. It's like so lazy. Why would they even think that this could be a track on this album? I mean, get it get rid of it. I hate it.
2: Really it's odd. It yeah.
3: makes me angry.
0: If they would have done something maybe doubled the length and added a kick-ass guitar solo in it yeah there's something there you know i understand the need for them to play with it right to come up with something but it's like a demo that you've now released that's really what this is they didn't add a bridge they didn't do anything to make it different to where you would go oh
3: they oh they rework the the pepsi commercial oh this is great no it's They reworked the Pepsi commercial, who cares? This was so disappointing to me, because when the song kicked in, I didn't know that it was gonna be the Pepsi commercial. I thought, hey, here's a new song by Cheap Trick. And then as soon as it started to play upon my first listen, I was just like, are you kidding me? This is what they're doing? So yeah, disappointing. It drops dead center in the middle of the CD, and it's, it's such a snooze for me. Yeah, thumbs down
2: yeah it's just it's a very strange decision to put this on the record in this incarnation. It just doesn't make any sense
3: i mean i I, I want to say that this this is the last studio album that Bunny Carlos plays on. and I wonder if if this album was maybe the last straw for him or if this album, the recording of this album caused some tension between him and and other members or if or because i I don't know. I haven't seen if. Bunny goes on record as liking this album or not liking it. I don't know. but I could see where this would could cause some
2: problems. You know, they had gone back on Rockford. They had gone back to a couple of old, like 90s demos, but most of Rockford was all fresh and new, as far as I know. And this is when they this album was when they really started the recycling. They went green. <laughs> it was the green New Deal. You know, and they've done a lot of that on the album since where they, you know, just going back to old stuff that they didn't use before. Mm -hmm. But this is using the Pepsi commercials, the most extreme example of the recycling Uh, that they've done. So,
0: yeah, it, it could have been something, but it's not. So why have it here? It's it's just a weird, and it's also on a weird spot on an album. I could understand if they were doing this that they'd have the rights to something, but it's not like, I mean, they're not going to make any more money than they did off the Pepsi commercial, especially when it only sold 24,000 copies as of March 2016. (laughs) Yeah, I was going to say, I don't know if they're like, well, nobody heard this Pepsi commercial,
2: but. Probably most of those twenty four thousand people have had heard
0: it, right? (laughs) Because it's all their
3: diehard fans. So I would have rather had the Pepsi commercial as a hidden track
2: than this. Yeah, sure. (laughs) Yeah, like a better quality version of the
0: actual recording of that. Yeah. Well, that's pretty much what you have. It just doesn't say Pepsi in it. So your dreams have now come true, (laughs) (laughs) and and it's a nightmare. (laughs) (laughs) Track eight: California Girl. you're thinking hey it's a it's another song this is this gonna be great here comes cheap trick and it does rock but it's another leftover right well it's just bad little girl isn't it yeah yeah and and I don't even like
3: bad little girl that much so this one this (laughs) one does nothing for me I'm just like
0: again I'm just uh, I'm just shrugging my shoulders it's such a a big who cares for those who don't know because not every cheap Trick Fan is as weird and obsessive as we are. Right. They were on the All the King's Men tribute album, right? With Scotty Moore and DJ Fontana. They did a song called Bad Little Girl. To this song, and it almost seems like, hey, remember us? We're cheap trick. We're the guys that did California Man. Yeah. Hey, here we are. It's it's like Southern Girls meets California Man. It's California girl, right? It's just And even the first line of the
3: song is there's a bad little girl. I mean it's, it's <laughs> come on, man. <laughs> I just don't know what to I don't know what to say about this. This is just
2: Well, like you said, I never liked "Bad Little Girl," so either. And (laughs) again, I don't need a recycled version of it. No, I don't have to. Yeah, a recycled
3: version of a song you don't like. I mean, look, you know, the listeners know that we we all love "Cheap Trick." That's why we know about "Bad Little Girl." That's why we know about the Pepsi commercial, and that's why when we say we don't like these songs, it's coming from uh, you know a a, place of love, a place of love and knowledge. We're not just dissing it for to diss it. We have reasons.
2: Yeah, exactly. It's, we, we already were familiar with, this, with these songs before this album. So when it comes on, we know what it is. And it seems kind of pointless. Yeah, and
3: again, the same, the same thing. When this song started, like three seconds in, I'm like, are you kidding me? This is just that other song. It's just that bad little girl. So I, again, disappointed as a, as a fan and as a listener.
0: BJ, do you have a favorite version of Bad Little Girl or Slash California Girl? Do you have a favorite version of the three that there are?
2: Well, I don't really like the song in any format, but I would definitely pick the version where you've got Scotty Moore and DJ Fontana playing on it. You know, you've got Elvis's original bandmates playing on it. So that at at least adds something cool and interesting to it, to the, to the song. But as a song, I wouldn't prefer to listen to any version of it, honestly.
0: Now, for folks who want to find that that is on the tribute album All the King's Men, and that had to be a bit of a thrill for Rick Nielsen who was a big Elvis fan growing up, so I'm going to play right now what I feel is the superior version of this song. When it was Bad Little Girl, here's the demo from Cheap Trick, Bad Little Girl. Three, version just has something really cool about it so why not just keep it bad little girl why change it what do you think was the reasoning behind that
3: yeah i mean yeah i have no i have no idea i think it's the reason that you said they were trying to be clever with the california and the california man and all that stuff
0: it's just you know hey it's us cheap trick remember remember yeah, us yeah,
2: yeah they repurposed it you know they maybe they said we can maybe they were like we can improve on this we didn't you know this was more of a jam we can turn this into more of a song i don't know
0: yep no they don't really (laughs) they don't really change much i mean not really no but that's two songs in a row that they rewrote for this album yeah
2: and they really fall flat. They just <laughs> Completely pointless. They fall flat Both like a
0: Pepsi that's been left out and open too long. <laughs> By the way, I want to point out to any of the listeners that that awkward silence when we didn't know what to say about California Girl, that's not uh, – that. that's real. <laughs>
1: so,
0: <laughs> <Yes>. Like, like, <laughs> don't think that there's something wrong with your MP3. That's – it's. Yeah. and I love Cheap Trick. I love Cheap Trick so much. You said something – my favorite band yeah earlier i said uh you know it's all coming from the heart you know our opinions and you said and knowledge well i'm just gonna go with heart i don't know how much i know i just know i love this band and it hurts me you know if if this would have been bonus tracks on an album called the latest and these are like hey here's some crap we had laying around that we didn't know what to do with that would be fine but right this is dead smack in the middle of the album Well, I think anyone
2: would agree, to some extent at least, that the idea of taking uh, something you've already released and just kind of rewriting it a little bit and then putting it on your new album—I mean, that's a questionable. (laughs) You know, that that's definitely a very big hit or miss whether or not that's going to work or you know please any of your fans. It's not like an ob, it's not like a no-brainer to say we're just going to take this song we already put out change it a little bit and put it out again Mm -hmm. you know what i mean so that's not i mean so if you question that concept you're not being an asshole i think it's a legitimate you know it depends
0: on who you talk to mileage will vary as with all things this is probably someone's favorite song you know what i mean there's someone out there oh yeah this is their favorite (laughs) song and and that's all opinions are yours right all opinions are yours
2: Hey, I, I have a skip button, so yeah, fine. Yeah. You know they can have it; <laughs> I'll just skip it.
3: This is probably someone's favorite Cheap Trick album.
2: Yeah,
0: that's true. It probably is. There's somebody. This was their first album, and it's this, this is it for them, and that's great. Everything is valid. We love Cheap Trick. Uh, so, where are you at here on the uh, the Hustlers rating scale? Are you flaccid, limp, or in the middle? Thumbs erect? What's the deal, Pat?
2: I think I'm castrated on this one. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah.
3: I agree. I'm just... Uh, yeah, I'm dead from the waist down.
0: <laughs> I'm shoving a thumb in there. You're
2: tickling your prostate at this
3: point. Yeah.
0: <laughs> because even though it's kind of a letdown, it's still one of the harder rocking songs on the album, right? that has got some punch to it, and this album needs all the punch it can get. So, I'm giving it a half. A half. Okay. Yeah. I,
3: I was going to say, if it's a whole thumbs up, I don't, I don't know if I can stay on the show for much
0: longer. <laughs> right. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I agree with you. <laughs> so, here's where things turn for me on this album. Oh, yeah. It, it gets a lot better from here on, even though it seems to be a tribute to the songwriting style of John Lennon. First track here, uh, track nine, Everybody Knows... Almost a nod to McCartney. Uh Wonderlust. Remember that song about a young boy on a boat and the captain's insane and who knows what the hell's gonna happen on the journey. It also reminds me of Sloop John B by the Beach Boys thematically. You guys pick up on that? I, I yeah, did
2: just the lyrics. You
0: mean? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, thematically. The lyrics. Oh, the lyrics yes, sure, thematically yeah about everybody knows robin says i remember sitting in los angeles chilling out and listening to proco Harum records then i went and met up with pat leonard to write some stuff and proco Harum were still in my head so what came out is definitely something that owes a lot to that great band patrick leonard has co-written songs with madonna throughout the years and also written co-written co-produced and produced for such acts as pink floyd roger waters Carly Simon, Jewel, Elton John, and so on. So that's a little bit about who Patrick Leonard is.
3: I'm actually looking at the lyrics right now. I don't know. You know what's funny is I just listened to this album a couple times this week, and I can't even recall. I can't even think of how this song goes. (laughs) I just can't. I mean, it's not even. I can't think of the melody or anything. I'm looking at the lyrics right now, and I just. I'm like, I don't even know. I don't even know how this song goes. Pat, read the lyrics. Caught in the storm, lost in the sea, damned for the crew and me. The captain, he cries so many tears, lost till eternity. And the bow shall break from the pounding waves. All aboard, abandon the ship. Everybody knows. All ashore, drowned in the seas, as your lives will pass before your eyes. I I don't,
2: I, I don't know. Those are not your typical Cheap Trick lyrics. Right. <laughs> That's for sure.
0: The good news is if you've ever wanted to hear a Cheap Trick song about a ship that might sing, this is your song. <laughs> Finally, your prayers have been answered. One of the lyrics is,
3: take your positions, please, mm-hmm. which makes me think of next position, please, and makes me think of
0: stopping this album and listening to that one. <laughs> but despite all of that, I actually really like this song
2: i love this song mm-hmm. i think it's wonderful it, the, it's the it got majestic production i think it's a brilliant song personally but it's far removed from cheap trick in a lot of ways but it's very as- atmospheric and it's an epic song i love it mm-hmm. like you said the album takes a turn here for me before this the album resembles a bootleg of random Mm -hmm. outtakes (laughs) it's just a hodgepodge you know and uh it really doesn't feel like an album at all but i love the rest of this from here on out i love it Mm. pat francis
3: um uh, i can't give it a thumbs up and i can't give it a thumbs down because again i just can't recall the song so I'll, i'll give it a half I I can't even in good conscience rate it because it's just, I don't know why it's not, I don't know why I can't even remember how it goes.
0: Well, here, I'm going to play a little bit of it. All right. I'm gonna jump into it some more
2: oh man that's so good it's great
3: Okay, well, the I mean, the um, obviously the performance is great, the vocals great. These just aren't; uh, they're just not singable lyrics to me. Like if I'm in the car, this isn't doesn't feel like a singable song, a sing along song to me. But uh, you guys love it, and I respect your opinion. Uh, I'll still stick with a, a half, but um, that doesn't mean I love it or hate it.
0: I think that you are suffering from first half fatigue. <laughs> it, possibly. For example, if you love football and you set through a non-scoring first half and it's been boring, and then the halftime bang comes out and does something, and there's you just like you're thinking, I gotta beat traffic at some point, right? And then it, it turns around here. This is where the the game turns around. Oh crap! You know, you throw your popcorn down, and start paying attention. To me, I really feel like myself, and I put myself in this that you're suffering from the first half of the album being a weird hodgepodge of weirdness. Right. Uh, And, and, and And you're kind of tuned out at this point, you're, you're down looking at your cell phone. Like, "Uh uh-huh. Yeah. uh Uh-huh. You're not looking up and seeing what's going on. Try. I'm still trying to
3: find cheap trick on this album. So I'm just like, uh,
0: yeah. Yeah. This song doesn't really contain
2: any of the standard elements of, anything that would make it a cheap trick song besides robin xander just crushing it but mm-hmm. you know it's more like cheap trick doing muse or radiohead or something but it's so great i really i think it's really really a great song right just not even as a cheap trick song but just as a song by anybody you know it's great mm-hmm. absolutely It po- it possibly could be a better
3: song by another band does that make sense
0: Yeah, absolutely. To me, if Zebra would have done this song, it might be the best (laughs) Zebra song ever. (laughs) I don't know why I picked them, but any band from that time, this would be a great song for them. And if Rick wanted to write this song, then, you know, because sometimes he does these things where it's like, okay, I'm going to write this kind of story, right? Like, World's Greatest Lover. Rick had built this whole story up in his head. What that song was about—about about how it was a guy during World War One, and so on and so forth—it didn't really translate to the actual listening experience. But if Rick wanted to write this kind of song, he did a great job. Like I said, I, I think this is uh, what two erects for me and BJ. Two thumbs up for me and BJ, and you're at half. Yeah, I'm I'm at half for this. Okay. Yeah, this one's premature ejaculation.
3: You could talk to me in a week and I might say, oh no, that's the best.
0: Yeah, that's the thing about it, right? That's the thing about music. Yeah. Okay, track 10, Alive. not even remember this song because after that first half of an album you're tuned out but here we are with alive brian cramp your thoughts on alive
2: uh this is my favorite song on the album Mm. love it uh this is a rewrite of a previous demo called what's in it for you but this is an example of where they much improved the song you know rewrote it made it great i think Uh, it's a classic cheap trick song it has everything you want in a Cheap Trick song, great Rick Nielsen guitar licks. The verse melody might even be better than the chorus. It's got a great bridge, lots of energy, great melody. So, I think it's a classic. And my reference, one reference I have for this song, is the song "Desert Moon" from <laughs> the Great White album "Hooked," because that's I, I always I think about that song in comparison to this song because you've all of a sudden. Deep in the album, when the album's almost over, you get this killer up-tempo, just awesome, high-energy rock song. It's the same, like, placement of Desert Moon that really stands out on that album in that weird, like, spot. I don't know why. That's just a, something I thought about in reference to this song. But I
0: love this song. Pat? Thumbs up. Why do you like this one?
3: Uh, that's That's Cheap Trick.
0: Oh, absolutely. Yeah.
3: That's full-on Cheap
0: Trick. Yep, you can hear the uh, keyboard from, like, uh, Dream Police and Surrender. You know, it's in there. You've got Tom welling away on a bass. Uh, Again, this is one of those, like, oh, we tricked you kind of things because it starts out slow, and then boom, you know. And it's it's great to have another poppy, uh, jumpy, harder song, you know. So thumbs up for me as well. Uh, Like I said, we really turned a corner here.
3: Yeah, again, I can't wait to see how you resequence this. But yeah, this feels like a side one track to me, or at least kicking off side two, maybe
0: even. So, Mm. yeah. Interesting.
2: Oh, yeah. The sequencing of this album is a nightmare. It's crap. It really is.
0: I think I can fix it.
3: (laughs) When you sequence, resequence it, are you deleting any songs from it? No. Okay. No.
0: All righty track 11 times of our lives. thoughts i like it a lot
2: it has it has a big production but i think it works you know there's lots of strings on this album and it, i don't know there's points where it seems like it's a little bit overproduced and you know this song might might be a little bit better with less of the production and just more acoustic based and have robin's vocal more at the forefront mm-hmm. some of the robin's vocals are kind of low in the mix and then you get to the the song Smile and they're like way up front Mm -hmm. and it's I don't know how these choices were made in the mixing but his vocals are too low in the mix for sure on Mm -hmm. this so I would think you know bring the production down a little bit make it more of a this is another one that kind of sounds like some of those ballads from Woke Up With A Monster Mm -hmm. or something but it's way more produced than those songs were Uh Yeah, maybe a little bit too much, but I like it. It's a really good song.
0: Pat Francis.
3: I'm just uh, I'm just a half thumb on this. I'm lukewarm on this one. Uh, As far as the mixing goes, though, this album they did use a a name mixer on this. Chris Lord-Alge is uh, listed as the person who mixed
0: this album. But uh, yeah, I'm just
3: I'm just like I'm lukewarm on this one.
0: Mm. Okay. I'm going to give this one a thumbs up, BJ a thumbs up, and a half a thumb right in the middle, right in there from Pat Francis. Okay, yeah. next up, track 12 Closer, the Ballad of Bert and Linda. is your thoughts
3: never cared for this one it, it it just bores me it really does i just don't i don't like it
0: mm-hmm. mr cramp brilliant <laughs> i yeah.
2: love this song i love the vibe and the melody of the song and this is the kind of song where i think a band with a song like this they're in danger of going on too long but this song's only like three minutes long so it's not it doesn't go on too long because mm-hmm. it's a little bit repetitive. But mm-hmm. I, th- I love this song. And I, I mean, do you guys know who Bert and Linda are?
0: No, that, I always think of uh, Bert Reynolds and Lonnie Anderson for some reason. No, it's I don't know. Do you know the story of the guy who he hired people to
2: to pour a lie in the woman's eyes? So she went blind and then he went to prison. And when he got out of prison, they got married. I think there was a documentary about it or something.
0: Oh, my God. No, that's I've who Bert and heard... Linda are. <laughs> oh, my God. Yes. And when you
2: read the lyrics, I mean, Rick was like writing from that guy's point of view. What does it say? Um, You're better off blind because the love you don't find makes you one step closer to mine. <laughs> so he's like trying to get in the head of this guy who the problem was he was married and he didn't tell this. He told this woman he was divorced, but he was lying. And so she broke it off with him. He was a lawyer in New York and he hired these guys to blind her. That's what he he wanted her to be blind, not killed, you know, and it's so it's really fucked up. But then he gets out of jail after 14 years and they get married. (laughs) So I guess Rick, you know, heard that story and was trying to figure out (laughs) what the hell the motivations were with these people. And I guess that, you know, that's what this song is about. But I love it. I think it's really great. You know what?
3: You're you're refreshing my memory by telling that story. And that story is actually what really turns me off about this song. Yeah. It's just too, I mean, sometimes. Yeah, the story is horrible.
2: But, I mean, but,
3: but, but yeah, I'm just, uh, yeah, I've never been down with this song. And I, I, do, I remember when this album came out, and, and uh, I read an interview or something about this, the real story of Burton and Linda, and I was just like, I, I don't want to hear a song about that.
0: Yeah. So yeah,
3: not interested.
0: Holy sweet slapping fuck. I've never heard that story ever. That is some dark shit. That is like first album dark.
2: Yeah. Well, yeah, that's, I think that that's what people referenced too when they were reviewing this album is that this is kind of, you know, Rick doing that, making you uncomfortable kind of ballad of TV violence. I mean, you know, if, if, Pat, if you can't like this song, how could you like <laughs> Ballad of TV Violence? Because that's about Richard Speck. <laughs> and, yeah, you know, but we were saying, kids. I we need a kids. knife to give me a wife or a, give me your life. I mean, it's that song is really fucked up, too. Uh, but
3: No, I agree. I agree. And um, I guess because this is written like it's uh, like uh, uh, Ballad of TV Violence is like an aggressive song. Yeah. But when you couch a dark theme in a ballad it makes it creepier to me because you're trying to get you're trying to elicit um warmth or some heartfelt thing from me but yet you're disguising it with these lyrics you know what i mean like i know what i'm getting when i hear the ballad of tv violence i'm like yeah this is about this guy he was he was murdered these women and it's aggressive and uh But if that was a ballad, if Ballad of TV Violence was actually a ballad, I'd be creeped out more by it. I don't know if that makes sense.
0: Absolutely. So in a sense, he's actually written a ballad about old age violence in this sense. Uh, This is the kind of song that you would expect from Alice Cooper. And Alice would go, "Uh, I'm not fucking touching that. (laughs) (laughs) Right. But his victim (laughs) married him. (laughs) Hey. Things work out sometimes, huh?
2: She's not offended. She's not offended because <laughs> Yikes. she married the guy. <laughs> some, some
0: weird I'm scared
2: syndrome.
0: Well, someone yeah. hold me.
3: <laughs>
0: I don't want to be alone right now. <laughs> Well, so I feel bad giving this a thumbs up, but I'm going to anyway. I'm not going to let you taint this for me, BJ. Even though it is forever now tainted. <laughs> thumbs up from you, you sick, sadistic bastard.
2: Oh yeah, I, I love this song,
0: Pat. The only redeeming human on the panel. What's your vote?
3: <laughs> I, I give it a, I give it a thumbs down. But I yeah, I just never really this song never really gelled with me.
0: Seriously, I, uh, I feel like I've just thrown up in my own mouth. Yeah. I, as opposed um, to BJ's,
3: there's a it's it's so funny how sometimes you can listen to songs forever and then and then all of a sudden the real meaning will click in. Like there's a Rick Springfield song called uh, "Beautiful Prize," mm-hmm. and I I used to love the song. It's upbeat and da da da. And then one day I'm on the treadmill and I'm listening to it, and the this one lyric starts. And I was just like, I heard it differently for the first time. It's about it's about incest and and this girl being abused at night by her dad. And I was like, how did I never hear that before? And that and now I can't I just can't listen to that song. It's just it's so weird. I'm like, how did it take me 15 years to hear this in this way? So weird.
2: Yeah, a lot of times you listen to songs, you don't really pay that much attention to the lyrics. I had a song that I, on one of my AOR episodes on Rock and Roll, it was the first song on the episode. And then at some point I was listening to it and I realized it's a song, a graphic song about an abortion. Like the lyrics are so fucking depressing, like the most depressing lyrics you could imagine. And I had never noticed before. And then I was like, oh my God, that was the first song on that episode. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Well, this episode's taken a dark turn. (laughs) Now that we've discussed closer the ballot of Bert and Linda, I, I have to offer this weird fan theory up to you, because now that I'm thinking about this, the song These Days, it talks about, I was blind, but now I can see. Your love shines all around me, right? Right. Do you think that Rick's like playing with our heads and doing a thing where "Closer" is part like maybe the guy's version of that song, and the other like "These Days" might be her version?
2: Or I don't am know I just if I'm th-
0: thinking too much.
2: <laughs> well, it's definitely an interesting theory, and I can see if you look at the lyrics to "These Days," you can definitely interpret it that way. It makes sense. There's something there for sure. But I don't know if he actually wrote it that way on purpose or not.
0: Weird, wild stuff. (laughs) I think, I think, I think too much. (laughs) Our last song is smile at track 13. Francis, your thoughts on Smile?
3: Well, I love this song. This, this closes out nicely for me. It, this gives me a smile. I've always loved this t- song from the first time I heard it. I can remember getting through this album for the first time, and then this last song played after I, wa- I was lukewarm on this last few songs. I'm like, you guys. But then this song hit, and I'm like, this is beatlesque. I love what it's saying. I, 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 It's like a positive song for me, and uh, I, ju- I just love it. I really, really, really love it. This is one of my top three favorite songs on the entire album. It's my favorite song on the album.
0: Wow. Yeah. Rick Nielsen said in an interview that Smile was the figure skater Scott Hamilton's favorite song he says that he skated to that song on his retirement. He returned to skating early last year but then something showed up during a medical scan and he had to stop. Scott is one of the toughest characters I know. Brian Cramp, your thoughts on Smile?
2: Yeah, this is a very nice song, a great album closer. This song like it could have been on busted or something. Feels like it's a it's a classic sounding song. You know, what's weird is there's six or seven songs on this album that are mellow, like practically ballads. Uh, it's yeah. just full of kind of ballad type songs, which is really strange. But yeah, I think these last five songs right in a row are all great. And so that really redeems this album for me. But it's just like I would start this album that everybody knows and just listen to, to it from there, basically. Uh-huh so it's an EP it's a great EP
0: <laughs> and you know I love EPs BJ you yeah you know I love EPs I think that this is great but I've referenced that the Lennon-esque fatigue is kind sure. of there this is a better song when it comes up on a mix if you will but I I totally understand why they sequence the album this way from that point from everybody knows up till now this is a good album Uh, I think it would have been maybe a better Robin Zander solo album, possibly. I don't know. But it it doesn't seem like it's a real cheap trick album all the way, except for Rick's disturbingly brilliant song, Closer. There's not a lot of cheap trick going on on this album, but but this song is a great end to this album. (laughs) ¶¶
1: You yeah.
3: Are you are you changing your tune from the from the
0: Facebook message you sent me yesterday? Yes and no. Okay. What I appreciate on this album, I appreciate except for what BJ said. I, I feel unclean now about <laughs> Bert and Linda. Yeah you know, but the problem is is it's the first half of the album is not very good. And there's extraneous crap that does not need to be on here. But when I resequenced the album, I did it in a way that I could tolerate it. That would make me want to listen to, you know, by the time we get to track five or nine, you know what I mean? Something uh-huh. that would keep me interested. Because if I, put album, if I put this album on in the car, you thank God for something like Sick Man of Europe because it makes you go, there's life here. Uh, but then it drips back off. So what I did on track one is Sick Man of Europe. That's the lead off for Ken's revised, the latest, the newest latest, I'll call it. Okay. The newest latest. And it starts off with Sick Man of Europe and goes immediately right into California Girl. Now, it doesn't make California Girl all that much better of a song, but it's that one-two punch that you kind of need, Right. Did you guys feel that? Sure. Because as the album is, as it is in the real world, you're starting off with a lullaby about someone dying, going into a cover of a cover of a cover, kind of. So track one is Sick Man of Europe. Track two is California Girl. Then we go into Sleep Forever, which immediately fades into Miracle. And that way you're talking about this life that is ending, but the life is the miracle, right? So you're thematically doing this thing. So you've now four songs in, three and a half you really want to be technical, but four songs in, and you've established some ups and downs, not just down, 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 right? At this point, track five, this is where I put when the lights are out. Because you need a pickup after Sleep Forever and Miracle, which then goes into Miss Tomorrow. Then I had to put it somewhere, Every Day You Make Me Crazy. Okay, that's the next one. Every Follow, Day That
3: song Makes Me Crazy.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> From then on, it's pretty much the album, After Every Day You Make Me Crazy, These Days, which goes into Everybody Knows, Alive, Times of Our Lives, Closer, The Ballad of Bert and Linda, and Ends With Smile. So the last half of the album is great. I really enjoy it. But there's really seven songs on this album that I dig maybe, eight at the most. And if it only would have been an 11-song album instead of a 13-song album, you know that, that, that kind of changes things up because that all of a sudden it becomes a, a bad ratio, right? It seems like every band has had this album where they have, have an album that is too long or has too many songs on it back to what we were talking about with Kiss is Hot in the Shade. So it's that same sort of thing, right?
2: Now, if you judge this based on the criteria of what makes a good album, mm-hmm. you know, a collection of songs that go together and flow and are it cohesive, anything like that, this is terrible as an album. It's a mess. It's a complete mess. It, it makes no sense. There's things included on here that should not be at all. But yeah, there's five or six great songs so and there's five songs that i love right in a row so you know i could just skip to that part Mm -hmm. but yeah this is a mess as an album (laughs) well look they should put out whatever album they want i'm glad they put this album out i'm very glad that they put it out at all since i have a cd i have a skip button (laughs) so i can just skip the tracks that don't really work for me but yeah, I'm definitely glad the album exists and thankful that they put it out. So,
0: uh-huh. Does Sleep Forever get redeemed a little bit by going right into Miracle? Well,
2: yes. No. By, by going... I, I wouldn't put that on this at all.
3: Well, I wouldn't put it on. I wouldn't put it on. But if it has to be on, it can't be in the first position. And if you're going to lead it into uh, uh, what was the song you're leading it into? Miracle yeah then, then that, that works better for
2: I me I say make it a hidden track have Smile be 12 minutes long and when you fast forward to 11 <laughs> minutes you get Sleep Forever
0: which you'll never listen to again <laughs> <laughs> okay here's the end of Sleep Forever and it pops right into Miracle that's not bad it sounds like it's supposed to be that way
1: Maybe
2: it would have made more sense if that's how the album started. Because Sleep Forever into the Slade song just is strange. Right. It's zero. Yeah. Such a weird way to start a Cheap Trick album. <laughs> yeah.
0: This album really is kind of like them doing an album after doing all the Pepper shows and uh, using all the strings. Like, there's so much strings on this album, you know?
2: Yeah, somebody, somebody pointed that out, I think, on Facebook. I hadn't really thought about that before, but I think that's correct that, yeah, I think they had been so immersed in the Beatles at this time, and that comes through on some of the material on this album. That makes a lot of sense Mm -hmm. when you think about it in the time frame.
0: Yeah, so it's all peppered up. You could say it's peppered. (laughs) Yeah. So the overall album, where are you at on this? Thumbs up, thumbs down, or right in the middle?
2: Well, I mean, I'm a thumbs up. I, li- I like having this album. I, li- I love that it exists, and there's a lot of songs in here I love. So, but like I said, it's it's a mess at the same time. So, mm-hmm. oh. Pat, for me, I will listen to your
3: resequenced, reimagined version, but I will never listen to this album top to bottom ever again in my life. I, I just no.
2: won't. I no, will I uh, never listen to it top to bottom. No, no way.
3: <laughs> I will. I will. I will cherry pick the few songs I like. I really only like about four songs on here, maybe five. But really, yeah, I just, uh, yeah, this was eye opening. Re listening to this after so long because, in my head, if you would have said, the latest, I would have been like, oh yeah, I love that album, or I think I love that album, and, and oh no, I don't. Mm-hmm. I do not. So, um, yeah, I mean, I I like more songs on special one than I do on
2: this. I like this more than special one for sure, just Mm -hmm. in terms of song quality. But if you want a reference point for what's a great album, you just go to the album they released before this. Rockford has everything, all the elements that make an album great as an album. It's one of their best, in my opinion. So, you know, Mm -hmm. right before this album, they did a... Almost as good as it gets in terms of an album. So, mm-hmm. And then go to Cheap Trick
3: 97. Oh, right. And you'll feel the yeah, same way. Yeah,
0: amazing. Now that's the gold, baby.
3: That is the gold.
0: But it's weird. I look at these 13 tracks. I like or love seven of them. And that would have been a much better album had those two things that claimed to be songs weren't there. Your averages would have worked out better, right? Yeah, yeah. probably. So anyway, there we go. Let us know what you think about Cheap Tricks, the latest. Uh, Love it, hate it, let us know. If you disagree with us, I I know you will let us know. Uh, (laughs) We look forward to reading your feedback and being part of the conversation over on our Facebook page. And we hope to see some of you at the Nashville Rock and Pod Expo 2019, August 10th. Rock and Pod is back. The annual celebration of rock returns to Nashville. This convention brings together the best rock stars, music podcasters, vinyl and memorabilia vendors, and rock fans from all corners of the globe. Special guests include Michael Sweet of Striper, Brian Forsyth of Kicks, Jason Beeler of Saigon Kick, Erie Vaughn of Danzig and members of Exodus, Roxy Blue, Every Mother's Nightmare, Kick Tracy, and more. Music podcasts from all over North America will be recording on-site all weekend. Special pre-party featuring the rock and roll residency, The Talisman, 8-Ball, and Lipstick Generation on Friday night. Rock and Pod Expo on Saturday. Join us at the Nashville Airport Marriott August 9th and 10th for Rock and Pod. Podcast registration and tickets and VIP packages available now at rockandpod.com. And soon we'll be in each other's arms again, BJ.
2: Yeah, it's, a, it's less than a month now, right? I so, know,
0: it's crazy. Yeah. BJ's a California girl. <laughs> and I know I'm gonna make him mine. Robin is a great singer. He's got that thing that Lennon had, you know, you know what I mean?
2: Yeah, definitely in his prime, he was a, an impressionist. Like, he could have, when you hear him do those Neil Young songs or the Bee Gees, or, yeah, the John Lennon, he could probably do a Paul McCartney impression, too. I'm sure he could.
0: I'm sure he could. And
2: George Harrison. and I bet he could impersonate all the Beatles and sound exactly
0: like him. But then mm-hmm. when you have him sounding exactly like Neil Young, it's crazy. It is. Pat Francis, please tell us where folks can find you on the social media platforms.
3: Uh, Yeah, we're on Facebook. Also, you can find us on Twitter at Rock Solid Show. And if you go to RockSolidPodcast.com, you're going to find everything you need to know. uh, Episodes, t-shirts, Patreon page, all that good stuff. You'll see artwork. uh, We have a bunch of rotating artists that do artwork for each episode. That's what I would do. And
0: thank you so much, Ken and BJ. Thank you, Pat. Uh, thank you, Pat. And of course you can find Mr. Brian Cramp on his show, Rock and Or Roll Podcast. And you can find me on the Fun Size Show, The Pop Show, Podkist, Zilcha Monkeys Podcast, and wherever fine podcasts are streamed and or downloaded. So see you there. So let us know what you think of our discussion of Cheap Tricks the Latest Side 2. We will see you all on Facebook. We look forward to your comments, as usual and you can tweet at us at pop staff tweets over at over on twitter we'll see you all on the next episode of cheap talk say see ya, pat thanks guys see you later say see ya, bj good night now ladies and gentlemen <laughs> that works too and we close out this episode with cheap trick doing miss tomorrow live we love this band see you on the next episode
1: Things you said to me. Scream, I could have laughed until I cried. Stanch, I could have took you for my bride. If she comes. If she You left me froze to the bone Cold, Your lips were like chiseling stone Love You said that love is all you need Cold, You top the feelings, let it bleed Is tomorrow, is she Chicago- coming? our show trick chat is an online non-profit audio fanzine made by fans for fans any samples of music or interviews heard remain property of their owners we are not related to cheap trick or any of their members past or present if you hear anything you like from the band go on amazon or itunes to buy it if you enjoyed this show like us on facebook and rate us on itunes thank you for listening until next time i'm your announcer chelsea epstein saying keep cheap tricking